This podcast is brought to you by the American Enterprise Institute. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thanks for listening. Here's our show. What in the hell's going on? What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's talking about. You don't have to know what the hell is on it. What the hell's the matter with these guys? We don't know what's going on. What the hell's going on? Who in God's name knows what it's all about? Hi, I'm Danielle Pletka. And I'm Mark Deason. Welcome to our podcast, What the Hell is Going On? Well, I think we're back at a previous What the Hell. Mark, what the hell now? Well, what the hell now is the COVID lab leak theory is back. <laughs> and uh, people who said that this leak from the lab, that the Chinese government was responsible for the pandemic, were dismissed as a bunch of cranks and a conspiracy theorist. This was poo-pooed by Anthony Fauci. It was poo-pooed by Francis Collins. It was dismissed by the media and all the rest of it. And it now turns out that as more investigation has gone on, the Energy Department believes that it was likely that it was a lab leak. The FBI now, uh, Christopher Ray just told Brett Baer on Fox News that uh, they think it was probably a lab leak. We don't have a smoking gun yet. But honestly, Danny, I think you'd have to be living under a rock not to think that the odds are this came from the Wuhan lab. Um, but it's not proven yet, but it, but it is certainly being taken much more seriously again. So... I will tell you, you know, okay, fine. The lab leak theory is now legitimate. Those of us who actually read the data, understood what the gain of function research was, understood why this was so unlikely to have been a natural evolution of a virus. You know, admittedly, those of us who don't know that much about virology, but read a lot of serious work on this are suddenly, you know, clean people again. Wow, your front lawn sign trying to shame me is no longer relevant. Nonetheless, or I tr the, the front lawn sign, I trust Anthony Fauci. Oh, my God. Right. We should have gotten in while we could to sell those people the Brooklyn Bridge. But in any case, this just makes me angry. Not makes me angry. Oh, my God, I told you so. Not makes me angry. Oh, my God, why didn't you believe us in the first place? It makes me angry because I think a lot of decisions were made in the consequence of this that were wrong. Decisions were made that were so highly politicized and, you know, it's not just in the United States. It's in the United States. It's all over Europe. It's all over Asia. It's, you know, the, the my home state that I've talked about repeatedly in Australia, Victoria, which had the longest lockdown in the world. And the same guy who imposed that lockdown and ruined people's lives, that guy got reelected for a third term with a bigger majority. You know, when is there going to be accountability? Well, first of all, I mean, this was so obvious from the beginning that this was likely a lab leak. Again, no smoking gun, in part because unlike a democratic society, the Chinese Communist Party covered up all the evidence that would provide that smoking gun. But look, we know that the Wuhan lab was conducting risky gain-of-function experiments. We know that researchers were, were conducting those experiments at biosafety level two, which is the level of safety at your dentist's office, instead of biosafety level four, which is when the researchers are doing their work in spacesuits. We know that there's a long history of coronaviruses escaping from Chinese labs. The, uh, the first, the SAR-1 virus, escaped four times from the Beijing Institute of Virology. And we also know that a bunch of researchers at the Wuhan lab sought hospital care, thanks to Wall Street Journal reporting in November 2019, around the same time the pandemic began, with COVID symptoms. I mean, you know, connect the dots. And then the evidence for natural evolution of this there's almost none. There's no intermediate host has been identified. In all the other SARS cases, there was an intermediate host identified. They have not found an original bat population, and they haven't even found any bat population that was infected with this virus. So this has been, again, not proof, but all the evidence is pointed towards this direction. And the public health officials in our country actively tried to suppress this because they were funding gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab, and they thought that this would come back and bite them, and that they might have some culpability in this. And so they actively suppressed this information and sought out other scientists to dismiss it 
as crank science. As if somehow, as if we had been, well, as if we had been paying Osama bin Laden. And then he came and attacked and we covered up that we were paying him. Yeah. You know, look, there's so much here, though, Mark. But I really, I want our listeners for a second to step back and just conduct a little thought experiment. There's a government. Let's not say it's the Chinese government. Let's just say that it is a government that is hostile to the values and interests of the United States of America. And they might be responsible for the release of a bioengineered virus that killed millions of people, cost trillions of dollars, destroyed the livelihood of countless others, set our economy and our children back by decades in education. What should we do about that government? (laughs) I can tell you something. If you were playing a video game and this happened, these guys would already be annihilated. Now, I am not calling for the United States to take some sort of retaliatory action against the Chinese government. On the other hand, the notion that somehow we should allow this government to skate free of responsibility for this and that we should allow our own government officials who were complicit in both facilitating and then covering this up to skate free of this seems to me unconscionable. A hundred percent agree with you, Danny. And uh, I think we should hold China liable for it and we should seek reparations for it in, so, in some way. And we had a whole podcast on that a couple of years ago where we disagreed about how, but we don't disagree about the outcome uh, that we should want. But I think we also need to have accountability here within our own government because Anthony Fauci, Uh, along with Francis Collins at the NIH, they actively sought to suppress any discussion of this lab leak theory as being serious. Tony Fauci literally commissioned and edited a paper by a bunch of scientists poo-pooing the lab leak theory. And, you know, this guy has been sainted by, by so many people. You know, I can give him a pass on some of the mistakes he made because the start of this pandemic, we didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't know much about the virus. We didn't know how it spread. Public health experts make mistakes, but this was not a mistake. This was intentional. This was an intentional effort. You know, somebody who says, I am the science and follow the this science. This was a cover-up, Mark. This was, was a cover-up. Cover but, but it was an intentional effort to come. He started with a conclusion, which is, I don't want this to have come from the lab. It has to be a natural evolution and push that theory, not on the basis of science, but on the basis of self-interest and politics. That's qualitatively different. That's qualitatively different from making a mistake at the start of the pandemic and getting a lot wrong, which he did. He got a lot wrong. This was intentional. I think this is a death knell for his credibility as a public scientist. And it's done enormous damage because people don't trust our public health officials. And it's because of stuff like this. That is absolutely true. And that's that's a whole other podcast that's extraordinarily important because I think that's exactly right. Anthony Fauci has almost single-handedly undermined faith in public science. And and you know what? You and I are both vaccinated. We've talked about this repeatedly. We, be- we believe in this and we believe in the science. You know, we believe, as I've repeatedly ranted over the last couple of weeks, we believe that, you know, probably the clean pen jar in your doctor's office is actually garbage science. And there's so much more of this that has now become about politics. If you think of the breadth of suffering that resulted and the unwillingness to accept responsibility and to investigate in an honest way. It's just gross. It really is. I've said this on Fox. I've said this on this podcast. We need a 9-11 commission into this and not not just onto the lab leak, the entire failure of our response to COVID. The fact that we weren't prepared with PPE and ventilators, the fact that we weren't able to, to detect it when it was coming in. I wrote a speech for George W. Bush in 2006 or 2007 talking about how we needed to get ready for a pandemic, that there was going to be a pandemic one day and laying out a plan to do it. And then the next administration came in and didn't prepare. The Trump administration came in and they weren't prepared and we weren't ready. We made tons of mistakes, the, the, the ineffectiveness of the lockdowns. And then on top of that, the absolute political effort to shut down any inquiry into where it came from. It would be as if on 9-11, our government officials were telling us it wasn't Al-Qaeda. 
and we're insisting commissioning people to go out and tell the tell the public that anyone who says it was, was Al Qaeda is a crank and a, a denier, a denier, a denier a, you know, a, an intelligence denier. We need to get to the bottom of this. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if we have a 9-11 commission into this pandemic. Amen to that. Our listeners know our guest today because he has joined us before. He's a terrific columnist for the Global Opinions section of the Washington Post. He's a political analyst with CNN, and he is the author of a really outstanding book called Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, She, and the Battle for the 21st Century that has been released with a new epilogue and an interview (laughs) with Donald Trump himself. Here's our interview with Josh Rogan. Josh, welcome back to the podcast. Great to be back. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. And so you have been one of the most intrepid journalists when it comes to this whole Lavely controversy. And everyone dismissed it as conspiracy theory and all the rest of it. And are you feeling a little vindicated? Uh, No, no, not exactly. Not yet, at least. But to be clear, I was never, and we talked about this uh, the last time I was on your podcast, I was never someone who was pushing the lab leak theory or advocating for the lab leak theory. My consistent over the past three years line has been that we should investigate the lab leak theory uh, for the simple reason that we can't rule it out. So we have to check it out. It seemed pretty simple to me at the time uh, that this was a plausible theory and that there's no good reason not to investigate it, despite the fact that we had public health officials, leading scientists, members of Congress, high members of academia telling us, don't you dare investigate the lab leak theory. And all we've done in this three years time is get to this place where that we are now, really as of this week, where now I think there is a broad consensus that we should check out the lab leak theory, not that it's been proven, not that even that we want it to be proven. I don't even care if it's proven. I care about that we find out the truth of how we got into this pandemic for the very simple reason is that that's the only sane way to have the best chance of not going through it again in, in any disaster if you had a car crash a plane crash a nuclear plant meltdown the obvious thing to do is to figure out what happened so that you can have a good chance of minimizing the risk that it'll happen again we just failed to do that over the last three years in this country in this world because of all the corruption that was built into this issue by the people who had the conflicts of interest. So I'm glad, you know, that three years later, uh, it's no longer cancelable to say we should check out one of the theories that seems pretty, you know, plausible. And I'm glad there's an acknowledgement that there's been a mounting, mounting level of circumstantial evidence, not proof, just circumstantial evidence that points to the lab's involvement somehow, but we're actually no closer to actually checking it out because the World Health Organization is not doing anything. Uh, the Chinese government certainly not doing anything. Actually, they're doing the opposite thing, which is to continue to hide what they know. And the U.S. government is embroiled in this horrendous internal review where the, uh, in, where the intelligence community spends all of its time digging into its own files and not asking anyone else who has all this information to put up or shut up. Anyway, we can get into all of that, but the point is that uh, we're nowhere on this thing, and that's uh, dangerous because it's an urgent matter of our national security and public health. So, Josh, you are what people like us used to like to call a journalist. Now, I <laughs> guess that's sort of old school. I, what do I understand about the world of journalism? But actually, the inquiry that you lay out, you know, hey, what happened here? Hey, millions of people died, millions, probably a multiple more had their lives, let's not say destroyed, but certainly impacted for those people we know who had businesses, people whose kids were denied school, kids who were denied education, kids who lost two, three, four years. You know, they deserve this investigation. And I think that's exactly the right place to go. Tell us, though, a little bit about what you just said, which is the U.S. government is engaged in this bizarre exercise because I think that's something that people actually don't understand that well. Yeah, it's true. Even even the people inside the government who are engaged in this bizarre exercise don't understand that well the bizarre exercise that they've engaged in. And I'll explain why I say that. I mean, if you just think about it, it's so crazy that, you know, for the first year of the pandemic, you had, you know, all of the uh, administration people, all of the, the, the Trump people, and even the a lot of the senior 
political points. He's saying, hey, listen, this probably came from the lab. And immediately all the Democrats were like, how dare you? It was like, you must be shunned. Now, we, de we definitely think it didn't come from the lab because uh, Trump said it came from the lab. So it couldn't have come from the lab because he's always wrong. Now, I interviewed Trump on this matter and I discovered that he truly believed that it came from the lab. He didn't have a factual basis on which to pin that because he had conflated a bunch of the important details and the garble that is his mind in such a twisted way that it was almost impossible to attribute why he believed it. But that's neither here nor there. The point is that the minute that this issue became politicized, uh, our discussion about it was broken and it was also broken inside the U.S. government. And, you know, when the Biden people came in, you know, they made a very simple decision. They're like, listen, you know, that politicization of this issue inside of our government uh, we weren't we weren't around for that. We don't know what the answer is. They came in with an open mind, in other words. And uh, to their credit, the Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, President Biden, uh, decided to tell the intelligence community to go check it out again a year later. Like, they should have been doing it the whole time, but okay, check it out again. And sure enough, uh, they did. But they bungled that intelligence community review in ways that are now only being unt untangled. And you know, one of the reasons that some of these intelligence agencies. Uh, bungled the review is because they turned to the scientists who were the subject of the review. We're talking about the people who were involved and related to and invested in the research that was going on on bat coronaviruses in the city where the outbreak was, Wuhan, China. And so those people had a clear conflict of interest and they misled the public. They misled journalists. They misled the uh, international community. They misled the WHO. And they did it with a heavy helping hand from the Chinese Communist Party. And what that created was this insane situation inside of our intelligence community where the intelligence community got captured by its own sources in the same way that journalists who spent the first year, two years, even to today reporting about the origin of the coronavirus and only reporting from the perspective of those scientists who have a conflict of interest and therefore can't have the lab leak be true because it would be that they were connected to the outbreak and their careers would be over and their entire industry of virus hunting would be kaput, uh, those journalists got captured by the sources in the same way a lot of these intelligence agencies did. Now, the funny thing that we learned this week is that there were other people in the government, namely at the National Laboratories and the FBI in Fort Detrick, who weren't captured because they weren't depending on those conflicted outside scientists. They had their own scientists. And this is the the canard that like I keep hearing, especially this week, which is like, oh, well, the science says it must have been the market, which is, you know, a bit a lot is, is, is actually plainly and obviously false because there are, first of all, there are plenty of scientists who disagree with that. And second of all, the government scientists, the actual experts at the National Laboratories in Fort Detrick and the FBI all came to the conclusion with either low or moderate confidence that it probably was the outbreak was probably related to the lab. So all that tells us is that, you know, this crazy poisoning and the, of the of our politics and of our culture and it got caught up in our media wars and it got caught up in a you know oh the right-wing media versus the mainstream media and the, the virus doesn't care about any of that you know none of that has anything to do with the outbreak none of that is 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 helps us get anywhere towards figuring out how this happened and now three years later we're starting to unravel all that finally but i mean a lot of the evidence is gone uh, some of it's still there and still we have this sort of ingrained, you know, it's like becoming an ideology. It's become a religion in this country to say that, oh, it definitely didn't come from the lab. And there's no reason in the first place anyone should have come to that conclusion. Quite the contrary, I think the evidence is slowly but surely piling up on the lab. Untangle it for us objectively, right? So what is the case so that we know so far publicly for it coming from the lab? And then what is the evidence or the case that we know publicly for it emerging naturally. Well, I mean, I'm happy to do that, Mark, but the, the, what's funny about that is that if you wanted to, you could listen to the last time we did that podcast two years ago, right? Because this is, this is the, the essential case hasn't changed, okay? There was a cluster of, I'll make the market case first, and I'll make it as objectively as I can. There was a cluster of, of cases at the market uh, in, in the early stages of the pandemic. Now, not the first cases, mind you, but a cluster of cases. That's one thing. The other thing is that there were animals that could have been the intermediary animal spotted at the market, okay? Not that they ever found one animal, not that they ever had one shred of evidence that the outbreak actually happened at the market, just that animals existed at that market, which could have been 
in your mind's eye, an intermediary, okay? And then you'll have a bunch of these scientific papers, which will show you according to the, you know, the intricacies of the DNA of the coronavirus that it couldn't possibly have come from the lab. Now, again, I would argue, again, objectively, that those papers ignore a huge obvious point, which is that it could have come from the lab and you would never be able to tell by looking at the DNA that it had come from the lab. Just because it went through the lab doesn't mean you would see signs of manipulation. And for those people who say that, oh, well, there was a cluster at the market early on in the in the outbreak, I would just point out that like, well, yeah, of course there was because it's a market. It's natural that that would be a super spreader event, but there's no evidence that the spillover happened at the market, not a shred of it, despite the culling of tens of thousands of pangolins and raccoon dogs and minks and, you know, a, a, a genocide of pangolins really sacrificed their lives to search for the magic pangolin that connects the market in any real never been found despite years of searching. But anyway, that's about as much credence to the market theory I can muster up at this point. And because it really is, that's really, if you were being honest, that's the totality of the evidence. There's, it's a possibility. Now on the lab side, I think again, trying to be as objective as I can, they were doing, and they published, this is public, they were doing experiments on bat coronaviruses where they made them more uh, lethal and transmissible by running them through mice who were modified to have human lung characteristics. They take a bunch of mice, they give them human lung characteristics, and then they take the most <laughs> dangerous viruses they've ever found, and they run them through a, a bunch of times, and they see what, what kind of crazy mutations come up, and then they're like, oh, let's play with those. And you could call that gain-of-function research, or you can just call that regular bat coronavirus research. It doesn't matter. The point is that they published it. We know they were doing that. All right, what else do we know? Well, we know that there were Chinese military scientists working on this research at the labs. What else do we know? Well, we also know that they were doing work that they didn't disclose, because, again, one of the canards you'll always hear is, well, they couldn't have released what they didn't have, and because they didn't admit to having the coronavirus, a lot of people will say, oh, well, that means they didn't have it. No. What we know is that they hid some of this research, and they hid some of the research they did with the Chinese military. Now, does that mean it was a bioweapon? Not exactly. And again, this is a, a common sort of miscommunication, a common confusion when talking about this issue. People will say, well, Tom we Cotton said bioweapon, and that that's why the... Well, the bottom line is that virus research, especially this kind of virus research, has dual-use applications it's a dual use technology like like lots of research and just like we have it at our fourth district where the chinese say the the coronavirus came from we have bio research is that bioweapons research well no but you know we would say it's biodefense but you know as you guys know bio defense and bio offense capability but something of a distinction without a difference if we're being honest about it what we know is that the pla was all up in that bio <laughs> research. Okay, so draw your own conclusions. So the, what else do we know? Well, we know there were sick researchers at the lab. We know that they had coronavirus-like symptoms. We know that the partners of the lab, the American partners, namely the EcoHealth Alliance run by Peter Daszak, proposed in a separate revealed proposal to DARPA that what they wanted to do, this was their proposal, it's called the Diffuse Proposal, which leaked out because they withheld it from the world for some unexplained reason. What they wanted to do is they wanted put, to put fear and cleavage sites on bat coronaviruses to make them more dangerous. And the DARPA said, no way, this, we're not going to do that. And they had proposed to do it in, in Wuhan. And then, lo and behold, a bat coronavirus with a fear and cleavage site, the first ever in the world, started a pandemic in Wuhan. Okay, now... None of that is proof, but that's a hell of a lot of circumstantial evidence. And I well, started. you looked out the biosafety so again, level, which, yeah. you, which is a story you broke. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the, the big reveal of the lab leak theories that it's not really about blaming China because, you know, it's, it's, it's not if we wanted to blame China for the pandemic, there's plenty of we have plenty of things to hang our hat on. They covered up the science. They uh, covered up the outbreak. They lied to the WHO and said it wasn't human to human transmissible. I mean, there's so many things and ways that you could blame China. Not that I want to blame China. I'm just saying you don't need this if that's your goal. The implication of the lab leak theory is that it implicates us, that it, it shines light back on us because we built, and by us I mean the United States scientific community in part, in with its European partners, a very dangerous, unsafe bio 
uh, research facility in Wuhan for the Chinese handed it to them. And then if the lab leak theory is true, they took what we taught them how to manipulate these viruses and built another lab down the hall and something got out. And so the culpability is actually ours. That's that's why this topic is so hot potato. That's why the Anthony Fauci's and Francis Collins of the world will always say, well, I guess it's possible, but we'll never find out. You led me right. to exactly the question that I wanted to ask. I actually really hate this sort of personalization of politics. Everything that's gone wrong is the responsibility of you fill in the blank for the guy who you particularly hate today. And Tony Fauci has had a pretty long and distinguished career in fighting infectious diseases, uh, working on AIDS. And yet the story, and this is you know where you just took us, the story about him is not simply of a person who became the focal point of a lot of people who were doubtful about how we were handling this and how we were investigating it. The focal point became that he was actually covering it up. Now Congress has revealed that, in fact, he was behind the research that was done that resulted in a study that exculpated the Chinese that he denied having anything to do with. But in fact, data, email shows no, no, no. He was the one who asked for it. Now, what, what's wrong with Tony Fauci? What's wrong with this story? Right, right. Okay, well, there's a, lot, a little bit to unpack there. Um, you know, first of all, I totally agree with you that, you know, there there are good faith attacks on Anthony Fauci and there are bad faith attacks on Anthony Fauci. And because there are so many bad faith attacks, it makes it really hard for the good faith attacks to get any oxygen. Exactly. And, you know, two, two things can be true. true. He can be uh, a, a good man who has flaws. In other words, he can have served our country and the world valiantly in many instances and then done something very wrong and very inappropriate on this issue, which is what I'm alleging right now, okay? Uh, not that he's a bad person, but that his behavior on this issue and his actions have have been intentionally counterproductive and that he has a, a clear conflict of interest, which should uh, be factored into any subjective analysis of what he's telling us. And what's different about 2020 and 2023 is that now we have a lot more information. Uh, we just have a ton of information. Now, I want to clean up a little bit what you said, just because I want to make it sure we're very precise here. I, th I think what you're referring to is the fact that uh, very early on in the pandemic, there were a group of scientists who published a couple of open letters and studies that called the lab leak theory conspiracy theory and said, ah, oh, it must have come from the market, okay? And then subsequently through FOIA uh, uh, legal battles, gruesome, like grueling document legal battles, they pried open, NGOs pried open the, the vaults of the National Institutes of Health. And lo and behold, it turns out that uh, he was involved in discussions over the crafting of those papers and didn't tell us, didn't reveal that at the time for whatever reason. There was just a, and then what it further reveals is that all these scientists who were talking about the, the lab leak theory as if it was very plausible or sometimes they even thought it was true. And then days or weeks later, they're publishing that it's a conspiracy theory. Their explanation being, well, we learned more about it. And then a couple of days later, we realized it's a conspiracy theory. But uh, it seems pretty clear that they were intentionally trying to set the frame and steer the conversation in a certain direction to absolve themselves. That's the point. They're absolving themselves because they have a conflict of interest. Okay. Now, Anthony Fauci... Uh, personally, and Francis Collins personally, have been withholding thousands of relevant documents from congressional investigators for three years for no uh, reason that I can possibly imagine. This are, these are not classified documents. This is taxpayer-funded research, and there's no earthly explanation for why legitimate congressional requests for them should not have been thwarted for three years. And he didn't have to do that. And the Biden administration never forced them to get, hand them over. And now that we have a Republican-like Congress, they're going to have some subpoena power. We're going to see a lot more of those documents. And the documents that have leaked out are pretty shocking, you know. So, you know, again, I'm not saying Anthony Fauci is a bad person. I'm saying he's intentionally misleading on this issue because it, the, if the lab leak theory were true, it would call into question his own actions. And, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, unassailable public officials in this country where there's nobody who's above scrutiny. These are public servants. And, you know, it, we can't get into this deitization of these figures such that 
when they do something wrong, or at least they're alleged to have done something wrong, we can't even talk about it. It's a real slippery slope towards the kind of idol worship. It's one thing to have a fog of war situation where Tony Fauci and Francis Collins got a bunch of stuff wrong because perfect example of this is they told us for six weeks at the start of the pandemic that there was no community spread in the United States. And the reason was they were using a flu pandemic surveillance system which was monitoring people coming in with respiratory symptoms into the hospital. And it turned out they didn't know that COVID was spreading asymptomatically. And so they missed it. And so they made a mistake, right? That is qualitatively different from covering up the fact, intentionally downplaying the lab leak because you have a conflict of interest and getting a bunch of scientists to write a paper which you participated in the editing of, poo-pooing the theory, which now we know quite possibly there's more evidence for it than there is against it. Aren't those two different things? Right, right. So the the question is, is Anthony Fauci just wrong or is he tr- intentionally trying to mislead us? And I think that case, like all cases, has to be based on the evidence and the problem being that all of the internal communications that would either convict or uh, exonerate him from that charge, he's personally holding on to and refusing to to let see the light of day. So, you know, it, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, if he wants to be exonerated, all he has to do is adhere to the reasonable congressional requests for internal documents that have been sitting on his desk for three years. Now, you know, my argument is that President Biden should snap his fingers and force all those documents into the public right now. And in fact, the Senate voted unanimously to on a resolution uh, calling on that very thing to happen. But I think what we're looking at is that there, these Republican-led committees are going to have to use their subpoenas to pry these documents out of the hands of NIH and the NIAID now that uh, Fauci and Collins no longer work there. Right? They, they retired. They already left. So you know, so we have like two parallel investigations that are related because, you know, the more we find out about the cover up, the more we find out about the origin and vice versa. And they're both important and neither of them should be a partisan endeavor. But unfortunately, Is think about Anthony Fauci. This was a yeah. cover up by Fauci and Collins. Yeah, I'm alleging that based on a series yeah. of specific facts, one being that they're withholding all of these documents, two being that the things that they were saying in public were different than the things that were they were saying in private based on what we know from the documents, and uh, three, that every time that a piece of evidence comes up, they immediately, you know, go, run to the hill uh, to tell us that why it's uh, irrelevant and we, should, and we should stop looking. That's the crazy, stop looking, everybody just stop looking. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. That's, have you ever heard of, it doesn't matter. Just go back to your bachelor and you're you know and you know go watch hbo and stop thinking about how we got into this thing because you're too dumb to figure it out let the scientists figure it out but the problem is we can't do that you know and this is what we learned this week is that those scientists in the department of energy and the fbi and fort Tudor, they never stopped they're still going more stuff is going to come out that's the crazy thing about democracies Eventually, the truth comes out one way or the other, okay? You know, it's a bunch of democracies. Stuff is going to leak, okay? I'm, I'm waiting for that day, okay? And so, you know, the it, it really is a cover-up. It really is about delaying that inevitable moment. And again, I don't think Fauci is the only one. I think, uh, you know, Peter Daszak, the head of the EcoHealth Alliance, has done a lot to, to mislead the public. I mean, he was, again, a person with a conflict of interest who was on the WHO investigative team, which exonerated the lab without even really checking into it. You know, he was fired from the Lancet Commission because he wouldn't even give them the documents. It's so crazy that this is so accepted that, you know, all of this information can just be sitting in our files. Forget the Chinese for a second, because they have a lot of inf- They know, basically. Remember, they have their own. Th- they have got a lab leak theory, too, that it came from our labs. We have a lab leak theory. They have a lab leak theory. Their theory is it came from our lab, <laughs> you know, at Fort Detrick, and that we brought it over during the Wuhan World Military Games in October. Now, I don't think that's true because there probably would have been an outbreak somewhere near Fort Detrick if that if that had been the case, rather than in Wuhan, where like all the background coronavirus labs are. But you know, setting that aside, what's interesting is that the Chinese official story is not the wet market. By the way, their official story is that. Uh, the wet market was a super spreader event, not an origin event, and that it is a lab-created virus. And they would know. They would know, wouldn't they? And they're also, they're, that they're, according to their official story, it was circulating there in October, which I think is also true, by the way, based on the fact that 
uh, dozens of uh, international athletes at those October games in Wuhan uh, came back sick as a dog and, and, and ended up giving coronavirus to their relatives. There are now these new studies about, oh, well, we triangulated the, the, the market cases and we came up with a theory. Uh, we proved that it spilled over twice in the market. Now there are two market spillovers, according to these people who are pushing this theory. And uh, again, that only makes sense if you ignore the obvious fact that the market data is worthless. It's incomplete. And uh, uh, there was lots and lots of other cases going on, uh, but they weren't testing it because they only tested near the market. It's like if you only looked for your keys under the streetlight and then you're like, oh, they weren't there, but they must have been there. You know, it's it's it, it, it you have to really bend over backwards at this point to think that the market was the origin event. Whereas I think and this is where the Trump thing comes in. It's sort of like if you think about it, if you just didn't come to it with three years of baggage and you were never taught that the lab leak theory was a Trump thing or was racist or conspiracy theory. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world because again, they were doing research to modify back coronaviruses to make them more dangerous 10 miles from the outbreak. But Josh, but, you're right about the accountability. Uh, you're right about the need to investigate with an open mind. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a conversation, you know, go back to watching Bachelor, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, that this is somehow, you know, a victimless crime, that this is just a political vendetta. This isn't a victimless crime. It's not even just the people who, who died of COVID. It's the people who suffered and who are continuing, by the way, to be vilified sure. and, and victimized sure. as if somehow they're a bunch of knuckle-dragging troglodytes who actually want to ask the question, was the communist Chinese government actually responsible for this? You know, Mark has said this repeatedly. We may have even said it. We may have even copied you. Isn't a 9-11 commission here about who was responsible? Why were these choices made? How were these choices made? The only way that we're not going to make this mistake again in the future? Yeah, that would be great. I wouldn't hold my breath, you know. I, I would I be so long you're, dead you're, from all the times that I did hold my breath, but yes. In any sane world, this would be the most important thing to figure out because not not just because of what you mentioned, which is that, yes, there's a liability issue, but also because the hiding of the origin by the Chinese government and others uh, is an ongoing threat to our public health because, you know, they it's some of the scientific information that the Chinese government has in its possession, especially about those early cases that would we really need even to today to help us understand the path of the pandemic now and the therapeutics and the vaccines and the efficacy of treatments and all of that stuff. That's one thing. And also because, you know, we live in a world of limited resources. And right now, the resources that are being applied to this to preventing the next pandemic are being spent the same way, which is to say that they're being spent collecting a bunch of dangerous viruses in third world countries and bring them back to labs that we don't really know much about and playing around with them, which if you think about it, if that lab leak theory is true, then that's crazy. Okay. Then that's a crazy thing to do. You're, you're essentially doubling down on the thing that sparked the crisis rather than taking all that money and putting it into monitoring and surveillance where the outbreaks are likely to be. In other words, where the bats are. Right. And so in a world where we're trying to prevent pandemics now, sure, you could go around and kill every mink and pangolin and raccoon dog from, you know, Kathmandu to Erbil. And it's, you know, you might feel a little bit better. But if the lab leak theory is true, you've done absolutely nothing to stop the next lab leak. And lab leaks happen all the time. So that's really if you think it's really crazy that we're spending billions of dollars to expand the dangerous research rather than worry about biosafety in the labs. Now, of course, there are some work on biosafety in the labs, too. I mean, it's a funny tidbit is that, you know, one of the first things Xi Jinping did was he ordered all the bio labs to increase their safety. <laughs> Why did he do that? Probably it was coincidence. So let's say let's call it a coincidence. But at the end of the day, you know, if we're convinced for political reasons that that, that up is down and black is white, then we're going to make horrendous policy. I was like, that's yeah, the level of dysfunction that we're facing here, okay? And with, yeah. with similarly disastrous potential consequences. No, but I mean, the reason it's politicized is because of Trump, but... When you, you say know, because of Trump, it, it, what do you mean? He, he mixed the origin issue with a lot of racist rhetoric, for one. He made statements about it that were, went farther than the evidence, and he combined it with a lot of praise of Xi Jinping's handling of the 
pandemic, which can only be explained if you read my entire book, Chaos Under Heaven, where I parse that crazy dichotomy where he's blaming China for the coronavirus and praising Xi Jinping for his handling yep. of the coronavirus in alternate breaths. I'm not disagreeing with your uh, assessment of how he handled it, but there was also a sense in the media would quickly amplify Tony Fauci's denials that it was it was a pandemic, that any effort to blame China well, was point. an effort to, blame, to, uh, to shift blame away from Donald Trump. And right. COVID was giving them, the Democrats, a chance to win right. back the presidency that a few months earlier they thought they didn't have. And so they had to blame Donald Trump for the pandemic. And so right. blaming China was politically inconvenient. Right, right. But now what I want to do is I want to, I want to <laughs> fast forward to what's about to happen now. It's important because I know we have limited time. This is really important to get to, okay, that what's going to happen now, and I'm going to preview for your podcasters what's going to play out over the next few months, okay? Because what's happening now is that the congressional investigations are about to move forward on this issue of this IC review, and we're going to see this. You know, it's crazy to think that, oh, well, you'll see a lot of people this week say, well, four agencies said this and two said that and four said this, as if it's like a horse race, as if they get to vote on it and whoever wins the vote wins. You know what I mean? But that's insane because one of them is 100 percent right and one of them is 100 percent wrong. It doesn't matter how many. In other words, the majority could be wrong and the majority could be right. It's not like you can't game it out. It's not like I once saw Nate Silver say there's like a. 65% chance it was the lab leak based on what I've no idea whatsoever but it that's that's it's a ridiculous way to think of it cuz there's a 100% chance what happened happened okay and there's a 0% chance what didn't happen happened and we just need to figure out what that is okay and that IC review which everyone is now debating oh four agencies this two agencies that that's a tiny piece of this puzzle that's a, a micro that's a that's a speck of the amount of information that we're going to need and the rest is going to have to be pried out by this new Republican-led Congress, hopefully with some help from the Biden administration if they uh, get shamed enough into doing it, and hopefully with some help with a couple of Democrats who realize that this is really important. And I, we're going we're gonna to find out that that IC investigation was uh, very suspect, okay? And we're going to find out there's a ton of information uh, that will tell us one way or the other, okay? And then we're going to have a preponderance of the evidence. We're not going to have a smoking gun, likely. If there, if there was a smoking gun, the Chinese Communist Party buried it along with every human being who was aware of it two or and a half years ago. So we're going to have to come up with a preponderance of evidence and then, as a society, decide to apply our policy and resources with that preponderance of evidence in mind. And now, I think it's heading in one direction based on the fact that all of the recent evidence points towards the labs but let's wait and see again i i don't i don't get a rake off of this okay i don't care okay in the end I, that was a kissinger reference but anyway that's a long story the point is that if it comes out to be the market or the fat the frozen food box that came in on the plane from norway or whatever or fort dietrich or whatever great but i just can't let up until we actually check it out so I have a tacky exit question, and you can answer it as quickly or as uh -oh. slowly as you'd like. You just added an epilogue to your outstanding book, an interview with that extraordinarily prescient virologist, Donald J. Trump. Um, how is this going to play out for the 2024 race? Because I got to tell you, actually, you, you obviously know what my politics are. Everybody who listens to this podcast does. But I've got to imagine to myself that everybody who lived through this, once they hear this, is going to be angry. So how does it play out? Right. Well, it's interesting. It's a good question because, you know, I think and I'm I'm not just I don't I don't just think this. I know this. The Biden White House has been very careful. OK, they've never said what, what they think one way or the other, uh, again, because they don't have this. They, it wasn't on their watch. Uh, they th they know it could be the lab. Or it could be something else, and they have no stake in it, really, coming out one way or the other. Now they don't have they don't have any political upside into really focusing on it. It, it has a diplomatic complication for them. Uh, it has a, a domestic sort of progressive uh, um, a faction complication for them. So they're not pushing it really, but they're making sure that they don't get caught on the wrong side. And I think that's savvy, if not a little bit cynical of them. And uh, so I don't think there's a, a Biden himself will have a price to pay. Now, Trump, again, he will rightfully be able to claim credit for have called this if it does turn out to be the lab leak or if the preponderance of evidence does tend to point that way. Uh, at the same time, his overall approach to China 
was let's say a mixed bag. He said that the Uyghurs should be put in concentration camps. He said that the Hong Kong Kongers were rioters. He said that he isn't, Taiwan's two feet from China and there isn't a effing thing we can do about it if they attack. And he also called the lab leak, you know, thing right. So let's 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 say that it's a it's a it's a complicated record. <laughs> and you know, when it comes to the Congress, both sides are being, I would say, say sufficiently hawkish on China as to minimize the sort of gap. And I don't, you know, I think I honestly, I think Republicans are more active on it, and Democrats are figuring out that their constituents want a tougher China policy, not because it's being driven by Washington by the you know, the the dangerous groupthink or some nonsense like that, but because uh, the actions of the Chinese Communist Party are affecting Americans in their lives and in their businesses and in their schools and in their uh, investments and in their culture and in their sports and in their movies and, and in their public health. So every American now knows that what happens in Beijing doesn't stay in Beijing. So, you know, I think the politics in this are moving in the right direction, actually, but they should be moving faster because the threat. What happens in Kiev doesn't stay in Kiev either. But anyway, that's a subject for another podcast. Hey, Josh, you've been fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, you were early on this, that's right. uh, making the case that this was a legitimate uh, area of inquiry. And I think you should feel vindicated because even though it hasn't been proven yet, the evidence is certainly leaning in that direction. And you were calling for people to stop dismissing it when everyone else was not just dismissing it, but like calling anyone who even raised this a bunch of cranks and and uh, conspiracy theorists. Uh, so good on you. Well, <laughs> well, broken clock is right. And, so, every and, day, and sometimes good reporters are right <laughs> even more often. Thanks a ton for being that guy and for making the time for us. We're really grateful. So, Danny, here's what bothers me about this, is that there was a confluence of dishonesty between the public health experts and the media when it comes to the lab leak theory, because you had the sainted Anthony Fauci insisting that this wasn't a lab leak, that it was natural evolution, and and putting his thumbs on the scale of the science to make his case. And then you had a media which just lapped it up and pushed that and dismissed anybody who suggested otherwise as a bunch of conspiracy theorists. And for, it was a single reason for it is because they didn't want to deflect blame from Donald Trump for the pandemic. They wanted to lay the pandemic at the feet of Trump because right before this pandemic hit, he had just come out of his impeachment over Ukraine, which most Americans thought was ridiculous. And he was popular. His his poll ratings had never been higher. And the Democrats were wringing their hands that his reelection was inevitable. And COVID was what put them back in the game. And they were going to lay that at Trump's feet no matter what happened. And so anything that blamed China would detract from that effort. And so it was political. It was a political effort to put this at Donald Trump's feet. When the blame for this, he's made plenty of mistakes, deserves that criticism for that. But this was a virus that came from it was he was right when he called it the China virus. It was a Chinese virus came to this country and killed thousands of our people, killed millions of people around the world. And for political reasons, they dismissed it. And then they wonder why no one trusts the public health experts or the media. OK, so. A, what he did on Ukraine was disgusting and, in my view, impeachable. But not impeachable. Well, again, we can talk about that on another podcast. B, yes, of course, he did call it the China virus. He was right to call it the China virus, but he also slobbered all over Xi Jinping at the first opportunity because that's who Donald, because that's who Donald Trump is. He lives but in the moment. my point is not about Trump, Danny. It's about the media hatred but, but, of Trump but yes. that biased them. Yeah, well, fair, fair enough, Mark. That's true. And there should be accountability in the media as well, because the media jumped wholesale on the idea that this was certainly not a lab like, I mean, you know, if we look back and we have a truth commission for all the reporters who slavishly parroted the garbage, the self-serving self-exculpatory garbage that Anthony Fauci put out there, there would be an accounting like no one's ever seen in America. And this, but you said it, this loss of faith, this loss of faith in science, it, it's contributed. This loss of faith in science, this loss of faith in the media. You know, at what point do we sit down and actually say to ourselves, Oh my God, the institutions that we believe in, the pillars that we believe are incorruptible, are now 
actually corrupted, that what you read on the front page may or may not be true. What your doctor tells you may or may not be right. I asked my doctor, why the hell do you have that jar out there for the stupid clean pens and dirty pens, despite the fact that you know the science says no pen in the history of the world has ever transmitted a disease? And he said, oh, uh, we just put it out there because our patients like it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Aren't you a leader in this field? You know, again, it's just, it's, it, it's the fucking corruption of everything. It, well, you're right about awful. the corruption. But you know where we paid, when we paid a price for it all? Is on January 6th with the election lies. Because here's what happens, right? The American people look and they see the Trump-Russia conspiracy theory that was pushed, which turned out to be nothing more than a conspiracy theory, that Donald Trump had colluded with Vladimir Putin to steal the election. Then they see the suppression of the Wuhan lab leak and how everybody wanted to blame Trump for the virus. And so they use this, they suppress that. And then they lose trust in the experts. They lose trust in the media. There was an Edelman poll at the end of Trump's administration. 59% of Americans said they believe journalists and reporters are purposely trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or gross exaggerations. And same number, 59%, most news organizations are more concerned with supporting an ideology or political position than when forming the public. So majority of people think that the media intentionally spreads false information. And so then we get to a point where the president spreads false information by saying the election was stolen. And the media, like the boy who cried wolf, calls him on it. And no one believes them because they kept lying to them for four years about other things. Yeah. And so no, it's the this one is, instance. This is the whirlwind. And, and so this exactly. And so all these people who lied in the service to stop Trump on so many levels, ended up enabling him and allowing him to convince millions of people that the election was stolen because they because their job was to be a neutral arbiter of truth. And instead, they intentionally misled us. And our public health institutions have been corrupted. Our media has been corrupted. Uh, and, and it's just very unhealthy for our democracy. I think we've done a lot of ranting here. I'm willing to bet that it's a lot of ranting that a lot of people are doing at home as well. But yep. Amen. <laughs> I want to say a word of thanks for a second because I'm actually on vacation right now and I'm sitting in the office of really dear friends of mine who've allowed me into the heart of their business in order to do this podcast. So thank you very much to Gebhard and to Elisabeth and to Monica who let me. Where are you, Danny? I, I'm in Austria. And uh, and these are the people who, who actually made the good quality sound that you are all enjoying possible. Thanks a ton to them and, and to all of you who are listening. Thanks. Take care. Take care, everyone. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at whatthehell at AEI.org. Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D. Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C. Please rate and review the podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, share it, comment on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.